Cool. All right. Uh, welcome to the Humans of Grappling podcast. We have uh, Phil Schwartz on here from 10th Planet Portland. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's awesome to be here. For sure. Yeah. Thanks for yeah joining. Um, yeah. So we got your name from uh, somebody posting on our like who should we have on the the podcast kind of list and um of course like yeah 10th planet portland is like whatever major city you're in there's usually a 10th planet right that that seems to be like the case so what what made you decide portland and like what kind of um how did you get up there because i from what i understand you you started training with eddie in la right yeah I, i grew up in la i just couldn't stand la anymore I was oh, okay. over LA. Yeah. Um, and I went to college in Portland. And so I knew a little bit about Portland. And I couldn't decide if I was going to move to Portland where I knew people or if I was going to move to Denver where I didn't know anybody. But for whatever reason, those two cities at that time uh, were calling to me. Uh-huh. And uh, I ended up going with Portland because I had friends there because I went to college in Portland. I see. And. Um, and then later I went to Denver and I didn't like Denver and I was like, oh, good thing uh, I, I didn't move to Denver. Right. Um, so for whatever reason, it, it was a good thing to move to Portland. And then um, when I moved back up to Portland, I didn't really have any aspirations of starting a gym. But Nathan Orchard and I started training together, and neither one of us really wanted to open a gym, but together we kind of thought maybe we could do it together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was the beginning of Ted Line at Portland. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah, so, I mean, that, that's surprising because, yeah, I, I like Denver, too, and, like, that's the, I don't know, it's always beautiful, like, when it, I, I guess I don't go there when it snows, so I don't understand the <laughs> the pain in the ass of where, uh, how, how hard it would be living up there, but, yeah, Portland's also a like super fun snow, city. Yeah. yeah, I know, I, I like the snow, it's not a, it's not uh, an anti-snow thing, I don't know. I see. I just, I just didn't click with Denver, you know, I just gotcha. didn't click with Denver. Yeah, for sure. Um. So, okay, cool. So you got, went to college in Portland. What, um, where, where did you go to college, and what did you major in? All that, all the, the pre jujitsu, maybe. Yeah, I mean, well, actually, I started jujitsu in my sophomore year of college. Okay. Um, and, um, so college and jujitsu were tied for a little while. Gotcha. Um, but I went to a small. A liberal arts school called Reed College Reed, in okay. Portland, and gotcha. yeah, a really small school. And um, I studied military history. Oh, nice! So I studied a lot of strategy and tactics and games and theory. So that was that was my focus uh, after I got rid of the idea of going to med school. Oh, uh, okay. Wow. All right. That's <laughs> you. You had you've had a uh, yeah different different track to get to gym ownership huh so is that yeah i didn't it wasn't business i wasn't a business person although yeah. i've always i've always admired business people and i've worked for a lot of um business people i i've never really was a business person and then um 10th planet portland kind of became my first business and since then i've started a lot of businesses <laughs> so now I'm, oh, okay now i'm like I'm like trying to teach other people how to run businesses and, and, you know, 10 years into, to running my own. Right. Oh, that's pretty dope. So would you say like, I mean, do you 
pull any of the uh, military strategy and tactics or whatever into your business or into jujitsu at all? Do you feel like it prepared oh, yeah. you at all? all the time. <laughs> I, I, pull, I pull that stuff in all the time. My students are probably okay. tired of hearing me tell stories about, you know, Napoleon or whatever, Genghis Khan, you know. Like, uh-huh. I, I, think, I think that those lessons um, – are out there all the time and yeah you know i mean my my favorite my favorite uh uh like my my life motto is a roman is from a roman general you know so it's like um i definitely incorporate that style into my jujitsu and i think that jujitsu is kind of a deeply personal expression it's an art you know Mm -hmm. and i think that a lot of people think that, like, oh, my jiu-jitsu is like this guy's jiu-jitsu. Like, no, your jiu-jitsu is as unique as a fingerprint, you know? That's um, true. And you can definitely see what – you can definitely see, like, when people have been influenced. But I think that your jiu-jitsu is, like, as unique as a fingerprint. And um, and so, you know, my jiu-jitsu looks like me, you know? And your jiu-jitsu would look like you. Right. That's true, yeah, because everyone has, like, different body types and different – attributes and different uh, gifts that they that they start off with and then they have yeah everyone has a different mind everyone has a different perspective on uh yeah the personality yeah okay here's a so here's um this is a military thing that i bring up a lot in Uh teaching and training have you ever heard of the ooda loop um oh i've 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 heard of yeah what, what what's the acronym Ooda loop. Observe, orient, decide, and act. Okay, gotcha. There, there's a similar thing. Uh, in, oh, it's, sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, that's okay. Um, it's it's based from uh, Air Force captain's dogfighting mentality, and his idea was that the person or the pilot that creates faster decisions better is the one that's going to win not necessarily the one that waits to make the best move but the one that creates the fastest best move um and so i think we see that a lot in jujitsu where you know you can really uh, students in the beginning are always looking for well what's the right move and it's like no who's going to make the next move and keep dictating that pace right yeah like it's um because yeah it's a real-time strategy right it's like i i'm a i'm a nerd i grew up with video games and um like Warcraft and Starcraft and like you have to kind of it's not turn-based where you get to like chess or whatever where you get to like wait and see what the other person is going to do or you get to think while you make your next move stuff's happening all the time and you have to kind of think evaluate what the next best move is um, while you have incomplete information so that that makes sense that like military is the ultimate like application of that. Like you, you've got planes in the air. You're trying to figure out like, okay, what, what's the next, uh, bad guy that I need to shoot down or whatever. Right. Um, so yeah, that, that's interesting that, yeah, I mean, this has happened throughout all of human history and we're, we've just kind of like codified it now. Like we can like study it and look back and, um, understand better what made, people win um more over time well like one of the most you know um i'm sure you're familiar with miyamoto musashi yep and 
Musashi is quoted a lot in jiu-jitsu. I think a lot of jiu-jitsu people love Musashi, both because of his mentality and because of the book and because of, you know, his uh, story about martial arts. But, you know, his famous, famous quote is, when you see the way broadly, you see it in all things, you know? Right. And so I think that jiu-jitsu is just a microcosm. It's a microcosm of so many other things, you know? And I think yep. that a lot of... Um, a lot of people say, like, I'm sure you've heard people say, like, well, just because you're a jiu-jitsu black belt doesn't mean you know about world politics or or it doesn't mean that you know about science or medicine or whatever. And it's like, well, yeah, like, not technically. I don't know all the same stuff that a scientist would know, but I know what it means to be an expert in one thing, and I know what it means to be logical and reasonable, and I know what it means to, like, defend my claims and being able to demonstrate you know, my beliefs. And so in some ways, when you start to see the way, when you become an expert of one thing, it helps you understand experts of all other things, you know, it doesn't make you an expert, but it helps you understand other people's perspectives. It, it gives you a framework to start off with. It, it kind of, you can say, okay, what's the equivalent thing in this other field or what's the, and you kind of understand the people in that field better too. Like you, you, you understand like, okay, this, whatever this black belt is this type of person like he he got to there because he did uh whatever did 10 that whatever quote unquote ten thousand hours of like practice and he he was shaped by that experience okay what what is that equivalent kind of person in a different field and what are their incentives what are their um what how does their game work like uh in jiu-jitsu there's um, a lot of, like if you play IBGF, like there, there's a lot of, uh, incentive structure to like play a more conservative points based game. Whereas if you're sub only or ADCC, there's a little bit, you can be a little bit more freewheeling and like attack more. And there's probably similar incentives like point, uh, I had a coach, uh, early on Dave Camarillo, he said, mm -hmm. rule set dictates behavior. So right. it's what are the rules of that field and that kind of dictates the outcome. Yeah. I, I, I kind of say something similar, like the rules dictate the play, you know, uh -huh. and everyone's always, oh, everyone's always going to game based on whatever the rules are. So uh, one thing I was telling my students recently is like a lot of people, I was like, you know, a lot of you aren't winning the gold medal because you have it in your mind that you only want to win a certain way like you sure. you're you're fixated on winning a certain way instead of just winning you know sure and one of the most interesting things that i've found in kind of the study of psychology of like what makes people good is that the best competitors are not the people who love winning the most mm. but they're the ones who hate losing the most yep and exactly. I've found that over and over again. And it's one of the reasons why I'm not a great competitor. <laughs> like I, because, <laughs> because I'm a student, I consider myself to be a student of the sport. And so, and it's not that I like losing, I don't like losing and I try yeah. to win every time I compete, but sure. I am able to rationalize a loss as something that is helping me, you know, expose a weakness or a flaw in my game sure. and therefore help me grow. Mm -hmm. Whereas some of the guys that I've I've been in locker rooms with, you know, I mean, that are that they're actually incredibly accomplished jujitsu people, 
they don't feel the same way as me. <laughs> right. And like, and like, you know, like, like the way that I beat myself up after a loss is like totally magnified in the way that they are after a loss. Uh-huh. And I've been in a lot of those locker rooms as a coach and as a competitor. And so, you know, it, it's, um, it's, it's definitely the mindset, uh, uh, separates a lot of people, you know, inside of jujitsu with, with what you're, what are you looking for and what are you, what are you trying to achieve? You know? Yeah. Definitely, and that's I've actually uh, talked to my friends about this too. Like my some of my good training partners, we've um, said that you don't have to beat the guy; you just have to win. It's a kind of similar thing where it's like jujitsu people get make it take it so personally of like, oh, I want to beat him, or I want to like whatever, I want to strangle him or break him or whatever. It's like no, you just got to win. Like you just got to like whatever the the bounds of the rules are. Uh, you, you can kind of uh, tactic your way into winning. Uh, of course, it may it may be boring or like it may not like be the the sexiest thing, but like you, you still get the win over the guy. So, and I I do kind of like also um, think that same way of like the uh, hating losing. This is I, I feel like I've I've used that like I mean it's a common enough term or whatever but like i've i feel that, sort of that same way it's like i the reason i prepare so like the reason i work out and i do extra conditioning or whatever is like because i don't want to lose <laughs> it's not it's not out of a love for winning it's like okay i just i don't want to gas out i don't want to look dumb uh i i want to like yeah because like i don't want to look yeah stupid out on the stage in front of everyone so yeah, and the bigger the stage, the more pressure that there is. Exactly. You know? So, yeah, you know, guys that, like, rightfully so, a lot of guys that made it to ADCC, you know, even if you lose your first match at ADCC, like, that really sucks. But at the same time, like, it's a huge accomplishment just to make it to the main tournament. You know, for sure. And, like, just to get through the invites and to get through, you know, the trials. Like, I, I was excited for every single one of those athletes who got to go out there. For sure. Yeah, no, you're you're in the top 16 grapplers in the world. Like that's the that that that's a very rarefied air. Like that that's a uh, it's very hard to be top 16 at anything in the world, right? <laughs> like not, not only not just grappling, but like any field, like we were talking about. Uh, so yeah, it sucks. Yeah, because you had to go through whatever all the try. Like I. I Got made it to the second day of uh, West Coast Trials, and the first day was hard. <laughs> and uh, I went up against Elder Cruz the, the first first match, second day, and like I, I I made it to like that part of the tournament. It was like okay, I'm gonna run into somebody, like run into names, and um, that was like that. That's like maybe this is where I was okay with that loss because I was like okay, I obviously he's one of the best guys in the tournament like this is like this is what i came here for is to like test myself against the best guys so of course i was like okay i i want to beat him like going into it i was like okay i want to um i for whatever reason i have this like unfounded idea that i can beat him and i want to test it it's it's fuck around and find out that that kind of thing so i mean at west coast trials one of my students had uh, Jay Z Cavalcante first round, uh-huh. and 
our strategy was, you know, with Wagner in his corner and everything, like yeah. the whole uh, team, the whole fight sports squad, you know. Right. And and I was like, listen, dude, like this because it was my, my guy's a purple belt, and yeah. I was like, I was like, look, this is the match that you came for. You know yep. what I mean? Like, exactly. You didn't get it in round two or round three or whatever. Like, like yeah. this is it. This is the match yep. that we're here for. I yep. don't care about the rest of the tournament. I just care about this match. Yep. And I was like, your job, and like going back to like what you said about like not having to beat the guy, you just have to win. I was like, I was like, you're gonna go out there and you're gonna make this whole match as hard as possible for this guy as possible. And he made him fight to the very. They wrestled and fought the game and fought the strategy all the way to the very end. And Calvacante had to work his ass off in that match. Mm. Beat, yeah. You know what I mean? And so. Sure. And 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 like that's that's a huge win no matter what happens. You know. For sure. Um. And, and something I told another one of my students today, actually, because um, they asked me if they should take this opportunity in an upcoming tournament. And I said, look, like, obviously you're shooting for a gold medal, but you have to win bronze before you win silver, before you win gold, you know? Like, you, a lot of people are stymied by this mentality they have that it's like it's gold or it's nothing. It's like sure. it's win or it's, you know, it's like if you ain't winning, you're losing, you know, like that kind of mentality. <laughs> if you ain't first, yeah. you're last. If you ain't first, you're last, you know. <laughs> I was high when I said that. Right? <laughs> um, so it's like, yeah, that mentality is messing up a lot of people, and it's really unhealthy, you know. Like sure. the, much, the much more healthy mentality for competitors is – to be like, hey, look, like let's set our let's set our sights on bronze, and yeah. then silver, and then gold, and yeah. then and then no one in your division can touch you. Then you get promoted, and then you're into the you're looking at bronze again. You know what I right. mean? And like, yeah. that's a really healthy way to look at it, as opposed to like it's gold or I'm a piece of shit. You know? Sure. Yeah, and and that's a you have to yeah work your way up, and you have to especially yeah like you have whatever. I'm sure you have a ton of students who are like who want to compete and all that and yeah they're they're at the white belt blue belt level and they they don't know where they're at they they want to first see like okay, where am i at in this weight division or weight and belt division and and age division like the, there's whatever a lot of different ways to slice it um in jujitsu and you can um yeah kind of get caught up in like not knowing where you're at precisely until you do compete or, or you go to a different gym and you kind of are able to compare how you do normally in, in the roles in your, at your home gym versus like where you go travel and, um, go against some, some other, uh, some other teams like equivalent belts. So that's actually an interesting phenomenon because yeah. it can be, it can go both ways. On the one hand, when you travel, you encounter people that know nothing about your game. Yep. So unlike your training partners that you see every day, they don't know anything about your game. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? But at the same time, like, and this even happens to me as a black belt. Like, I'll, I'll go to a gym out of town, not necessarily even 10th Planet Gym, just any gym, because I go into, like, random gi gyms and, and drop in, like, a random traveler. Sure. Um, and, like, sometimes you'll walk in and you'll start rolling with somebody... And, you know, they're giving you, like, a really good role, really yeah. hard role, you know? Right. And mm -hmm. then later, like, after the role's over, they're like, oh, shit, like, what, what, what's your rank? And you're like, oh, you're a black belt. Okay. And yeah. then, like, the next time you roll with them, they're almost, like, defeated already. You know what I mean? Like, it's uh, a totally, like, it's totally different role. Whereas, mm. so, like, something I tell my students all the time, like, okay, again, because 
it's no gi, so you don't always know who you're rolling with. Sure. But I have I've seen the same thing. I've seen my purple belts give really tough rolls to black belts because they don't know they're rolling with a black belt. They just know they're rolling with a guy and they don't know anything about this person. So they're just going to like treat it like they want to win. Whereas yep. if they know they're rolling with a black belt, they think, oh my God, this guy's going to crush me. I got to be, I got to be safe. I got to be conservative. I got to, you know, whatever, or be respectful or dial it back or whatever. Sure. So it's really interesting. So sometimes amnesia is the best thing you can do. Like forget what you know about this guy and just go fight him. Like he's anybody you want to tap, you know? Right. Yeah, and that's kind of, I mean, that that's the mentality I had to go into at trials because it, it's so like because everyone's a for for lack of a like everyone's at the the highest level like it, they're they're it yeah. doesn't matter what belt you are it's like the, every person is going to be your toughest opponent so because everyone thinks they're the best like that like you don't enter a tournament thinking you're the worst like you don't you don't enter the tournament thinking you're gonna. Uh, be 32 out of 32 like you, you enter a tournament thinking you're going to like whatever win so I think otherwise, that's otherwise what, what are you doing there yeah exactly uh, what yeah so like, like one of the something I tell my students is like one of the most toxic uh, tournament mentalities is I'm going to see what happens yeah you ever, you ever hear someone say that well what uh, are you doing see this what weekend yeah. oh let's see what happens I'll see what happens you know uh, right. That's one of the worst. You know what uh-huh. I mean? It's like you're either there with a game plan to impose your will, or you're yeah. not. Or, or why are you competing? <laughs> you know, sure. yeah. uh, it's a it's a really weird thing where people want to want to see what happens, or or they tell themselves like I'm just here to have fun, and it's like I'm not. And I love competing. I'm not saying that a tournament can't be fun. Yeah. Um, but I'm saying that like you're you're not there for that. You're there to try and win, and and not because winning is so great. It's because giving your all is what it's all about and yep. if you don't if you don't give your all if you hold back or if you let some sort of fear drive you then you're really not getting the experience that you're actually going after yeah yeah i think that that is an interesting way to look at it and i i think it, it resonates with me is that i want to not that i was expecting to like I don't know. It's this unfounded, like, I want to test. Uh, I want to see where I'm at, but also, like, I feel I feel really good. And I feel like th- there's this uh, almost like, uh, like Gordon Ryan talks about this in his uh, mentality, like, uh, course, where it's like, why not think you're the best? Like, it's not going to, like detract from you like it, you as long as you're still preparing as as right. as if like you're you, you're doing like you are going through all your normal like training all that kind of stuff like it, it only gives you a mental edge if you think you're you're the best one in the tournament um, do you do you think that there is uh something do you think that there's actually something such as like like playing better because you know your opponent is good versus playing poorly because you think your opponent is bad yeah you definitely like there's rising to the occasion i feel like right and rising to the occasion. Um, i and i definitely felt that at, at trials it was like the um uh, i i knew i had to be at the top of my game and that that's that i think that's where where i wanted to go with uh, my previous points like it forces you to be the best that you can be and that everyone is like 
meeting at this place at a certain place at a certain time, and we're going to see who's the best at this per- point in time. And everyone is preparing for this months in advance. Everyone's thinking about this. It's it's a. I think that's the value behind tournaments is that there's dudes out there that you don't know who are going to be your opponent like months later, and they're everyone's like doing everything they can to prepare. And it's a, um, it's a human like catalyst for for like progress because if it, it forces you to to want to be the best at and peak at this point in time so i don't know what do you feel i, I when you teach when you coach your your students like for tournaments and things like that do you do you go through like some sort of like progression towards the tournament or is it just kind of like oh a tournament's coming up and it's I, I, I'm sure it depends per tournament, maybe. Yeah, I've, I have students all the time that are getting ready for yeah. different sets, different rule sets. Yeah. Um, but overall, as a as a team, we mm-hmm. have we have goals that are um, long term goals, and we have goals that are short term goals. Sure. Um, I think that's something that a lot of people aren't doing that they mm-hmm. need to be doing. You know, sure. I think people especially coaches, you know, I think mm-hmm. that, um, and I, I, I only say this cause I know I've been guilty of this. So obviously yeah. I wouldn't accuse coaches of doing something that I haven't done also. In sure. the path. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, a lot of times you take your students, 15, 20 students to a local competition. Maybe it's a lot of white and blue belts and you know, you're, you're ready to eat your hat at the end of the, at the end of the day. Cause you've been <laughs> yeah. working for six hours and you yeah. watch 12 guys who couldn't escape closed guard. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, and so the nat- the only thing you can do is you go back to class on Monday and you start ranting about how we're going to be passing closed guard and we're going to be you're going to do this till every single one of you motherfuckers can pass closed guard and yeah. you know what I mean and then and then you drill it for a week or a week or two weeks and then you know guys are like okay whatever and then you get bored of it and you move yeah. on you know yeah. um, and then but you might find that six months from now guys still can't pass closed guard. And you're like, mm-hmm. well, what, what the hell, you know, um, yeah. you know, we, we drilled it for, for seven days, six months ago. Why can't people pass guard, you know? Right. Um, yeah. and, and so we have goals that are overarching goals, but something that I've found for myself and also for students is that competition is programming and it is a reflection of probably the past six months but really the past three months of your training Mm -hmm. um so i think that you know whichever one of your swords or blades is sharper are the ones that you're going to find expressed right and so you know like we see a lot of teams like not just dan or her not just craig jones a b team not just 10th planet not just autos not just gracie baja but like so many teams when it comes to competition, they kind of come up with a team game plan that everybody drills. Yeah. And there's some, there's sort of some continuity inside of, oh, yeah, we're all going to get good at these things, and we're going to drill the hell out of them. And then that's what we're going to hopefully see expressed in the tournament. You know, mm-hmm. um, so I think that as a coach, you have to set goals that are longer than one week, two weeks, 
and you have to say like, okay, I'm looking for my entire squad to be able to do the following things, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I have, I have a list like that in my head right now of, mm -hmm. of things that we're working on long-term to make sure that our guys are, you know, able to emphasize the, you know, certain points and, you know, and I'm sure every coach has that list in their head. Right. Yeah. So, and that, I mean, competition or not, like there's a curriculum that, in, that drives your, like what, what you want to teach. And it's good to have like that, that direction that you're trying to go. And I mean, and every gym has its own like style, like 10th point Las Vegas, we're going to mount you. We're going to uh, head and arm choke you like that. That's the, that that's Casey style. And like that, that's what he teaches. And everyone more or less has a head and arm choke. And, um, the best way everyone... to find out, sorry, the best way to find out, uh, what the black belt at a gym is good at is roll with one of the blue belts. Cause they're sure. all going to try to do the thing. Like you just said, like if I, yeah. if I roll with a blue belt at your gym, he's going to try and head and arm choke me. And I'm going to be like, Oh, watch out for Casey's head and arm choke. So whenever you yeah. go to a new gym, like, like I swear I was at a, a camp in Costa Rica uh, with some of the guys from, from Brandon McCaffrey's gym in Alabama. And uh -huh. I was like, I, I told the guy before we rolled, I was like, listen, I won't be mad if you try to punch choke me because I expect it. And he yeah. was like, oh, how'd you know? How'd you know? <laughs> I, I know your teacher very well. So, right. so yeah. I know I know what you're coming at me with, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think that's natural. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. That And it... So do you have the, and, and like Eddie tries to do this at like the whatever affiliation level of like having the warm ups and like where this is the curriculum that he wants to like persist in the tenth planet like lore. Uh, some people train them, some people don't, uh, but at least they're kind of out there. It's like this is the official like tenth planet curriculum for what um, what whatever affiliation should like at least try to do uh, Eddie's actually so. super cool about it because yeah. um, he said recently that the warm-ups just represent what he thinks is valuable uh -huh. and that he invites any 10th planet moon to come up with their own set of techniques or their own set of drills that they think are valuable you know oh, interesting okay so um, it's less dogmatic of like Eddie saying you have to do the warm-ups. It's more like Eddie saying, "Listen, I've been in jiu-jitsu for, you know, 30 something years, right? Mm -hmm. And I know a little bit about it and I've thought a little bit about it and yeah. here are some of the thoughts that I've had about what's really important and, right. you know, I, and so there's a lot of value there in the warm-ups." Um, right. I think warm-ups is kind of a misnomer because I think that people hear the warm-ups and they think like shrimping cartwheels forward rolls you know yeah um, i think what is really in the warm-ups in the 10th planet warm-ups as eddie calls them is you know it's like a hieroglyph or like a uh rosetta stone of all yeah. of what eddie is in eddie's brain in terms of the value of the moves um, exactly so there's a, ton, there's a ton of value there but he's also invited everyone to write their own versions of it that they think is is uh, meaningful so that's yeah. cool that's cool. I, I haven't heard that that side of it. 
Uh, I've only like my impression of the warm ups is that yeah, like that it's out there and like you have to know it before you go to downtown LA before you take a class with Eddie and you have to. There's a lot of I don't know for for students who don't train the warm ups too often like that. There's a lot of anxiety around it or whatever. But uh, uh, you shouldn't don't don't feel anxiety. Just go in. Yeah. Eddie Eddie just wants guys to come in anyways. He wants he yeah. loves it when people come to visit. I see. So he's he's much more focused on on the the roles and the live drills. Than, uh, than whether or not you've mastered the warm-ups before you come to HQ. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. But, yeah, that's that's cool that he's, like, given that idea out and, like, has said, hey, look, anybody can kind of come up with their own, like, I mean, it, it's a formalized idea of, like, okay, have your own curriculum of, like, okay, what's what are the things that your, your moon values? Mm-hmm. And... Like, I don't know, for, for at least for 10th Point Las Vegas, it's the Mount and side jokes. I, I don't know what what you guys are known for or whatever. Like, what, what, what are some things that you try to instill in your students? Oh, man. Um, it's funny because I feel like, we, you know, we, we've um, next year in May 23, we're celebrating our 10-year anniversary of 10th oh, wow. Point. Awesome. So we've had a lot of different cycles and a lot of different things we've been known for. Um, I I myself lean more towards leg locks in the beginning. Nathan mm-hmm. Orchard obviously leaned towards rubber guard, a lot of rubber right. guard. Um, so I think we were known for that for a long time. Uh-huh. Uh, but recently, we've been playing a much more um, uh, ADCC style game. A lot of wrestling, a lot of mount, a lot of side, a lot of turtle, a lot of back attacks, a lot of PBI mm-hmm. overtime. Um, still, still leg locks. Still sure. a lot of good stuff. Um, but I think like we've been really putting a lot of emphasis in my students into mount and back control, um, and making sure that guys are really positionally strong. And um, yeah, so that's and wrestling. Like wrestling sure. is something that, um, as a school, we've emphasized from the very beginning that a lot of schools didn't emphasize. For sure, um, and I think more are getting on board with that now. There's a lot more. I'm sure you've noticed this too. Um, there's a ton of wrestlers crossing over into jujitsu right. right now. Um, Definitely, guys that kids that wrestled when they were when they were young, when they were in high school, some of them when they were in college, um, and they get out of wrestling, and there's nothing for them. There's no. There's very few wrestling clubs. There's very few places to go. And so they lose all that community and they lose that connection and they lose having a coach and they lose having a team and mm-hmm. they lose going to meets on the weekends and all that kind of stuff. And so to all those guys out there that are, that are missing that, whether you played baseball or whether you, you know, did wrestling, like I say, come try jujitsu, you know, yeah. like you're going to find a team, you're going to find a family, you're going to find a coach, you're going to find like a place to go. That's not your work. That's not your house, you know, where you can blow off steam and it's not the bar either. So it's like a healthy place to go. Yeah. So I, I for me, jujitsu has been all those things, you know? Yeah, that definitely. And that that's why I why I started jujitsu is I, I was that wrestler in high school and there was nothing in college. Like I, I didn't wrestle in college or anything like that. I was just done after high school. I was like, oh, there's no clubs or there's no like uh, adults like wrestling and right. uh yeah i started jujitsu because it was it my i had always heard from my friends that 
it, it would be something that I'd be interested in, but I don't know. I, I started off thinking, oh, that's too barbaric for whatever reason, like joint locks or whatever it was too, uh, or strangling was out of, out of the realm of what I would be comfortable with. But eventually it was like, yeah, it's still the same game. It's just expanded. And, uh, I think that's a super key point for, uh, what you just brought up. I mean, you've, you've owned your own gym for 10 years, so you're really good at these selling points, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, like the having a coach, I think that's people don't like they have a coach in high school and they have this kind of like figure who who's like investing in them and then they lose that like their their boss of their job doesn't isn't a coach their boss of their their uh, coworkers or anything aren't coaches like it, people lose that like position in their lives and I think that's super key super valuable to have somebody who's like who wants the best for you and is willing to like help guide you to get there. And and like in in high school for me, sometimes I didn't have good relationships with my coaches and it wasn't till later when I wasn't even on their teams that I looked mm. back and I was like, "Man, I wish I had dedicated myself more. I wish I had pushed myself. I wish I had showed up more." And I really respect that guy. I really respect that coach. And some of yeah. the coaches that were the hardest on you are the ones that you end up respecting the most, you know, yeah. and that really, really caring about. And the, the ones that are just kind of patting you on the back, um, you're like, uh, you know, you don't feel the same way, you know. And in jiu-jitsu, like, we're here for you. Like, we're not going anywhere, you yeah. know. And, like, you're not going to graduate in four years or three years. So you get to actually have, like, a really – you know, a really long bond. And I've promoted some guys to black belt now, um, that have been with me from since the very beginning, you know, and like guys that I've known, you know, guys I've known for, for a long, long time and that have been dedicated for a long, long time. And it's really cool to have that relationship and to watch that grow. I mean, obviously the vast majority of students that walk into a gym will end up quitting or moving on, prior to getting their black belts but the but the ones that do stick around like it becomes a really cool core group of individuals yeah yeah that's pretty interesting to like because nowhere else in adult life do we have that do you have like the same friends you show up you willingly this is a voluntarily volunteer activity like you're voluntarily showing up to this place and uh strangling each other five nights a week for for 10 years like that that's mm-hmm. like it, it's a very strange crowd that y- whoever whoever's left at the end of that like y- you've gone through some things with each other and yeah i think that that creates yeah a very strong sense of community that i mean of course like us i'm speaking to the to the choir preaching to the choir here that jujitsu is a good thing for community uh it's <laughs> like no duh but <laughs> that's not the you don't exactly lead with that with jujitsu like with marketing jujitsu to like new people right like well that's that's true except that my business model is jujitsu as jujitsu gym as community center i see so i don't think that a lot of people think about it that way sure but that but that is the way that i think about it and sure. i don't i don't see why a jujitsu gym as a group or an association or even as an individual gym, I don't see why they can't provide many of the same services 
that a community center would provide in, you know, in expanding ways. And like, it, I don't know, like maybe I'm thinking too big, but I went to take my son to swim lessons the other day at a local community center and they have a big basketball gym and they have a pool and they have a pottery studio and they have all this stuff. And I was thinking, man, well, why can't we have all this stuff? And a jujitsu yeah. gym, you know, like, sure. why can't we provide uh, more, more and more for the benefit of our members um, on top of just having an awesome jujitsu program, because I've had people in the past like who really stopped kind of being into the jujitsu, uh-huh. and were like, "I just don't want to leave this group of people. Like, can I please keep coming and sure. keep showing up? Yeah. And like, can I, will you just let me like sweep the floor or something? Like, I just uh-huh. want to hang out with this group of people." And I was like, "Of course. Like, we're not excommunicating you yeah. from the community, even if you." decide that jujitsu is not your thing you know right yeah because it's yeah very positive uh like positive upward spiral kind of thing like everyone's like they're wanting to get better and i've i think i've visited 10th planet portland before and um you guys have like a weight area too like mm-hmm. weightlifting, and um I, I think i've been to like one of the 6 a.m th- there i i, I train 6 a.m at 10th by Las Vegas. So it's always nice when a gym like has a 6 a.m. program because like everyone who's who, who's showing up there really wants to be there. Like it it, 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 it takes a lot to like you're waking up early and having to like whatever you're, you're you might be losing a little bit of sleep, whatever. But like everyone who shows up at 6 a.m. like really wants to be there. So it's uh yeah, it's interesting to see when gyms like yeah go outside of that the just jujitsu but they have like crossfit area or a um i don't know like this gym in the bay area guardian gym has like a kids like a full-on like kids program where it's a non-profit and they have like homework time for kids and they expand like yeah like you said like into more community center type of place where it's where it's a safe place for kids to stay after school and like interact with each other and get their homework done and and have an activity a place to go um after school i think that that's that's super huge that's super um important uh as a to like help build communities over a long period of time i need more space yeah (laughs) (laughs) I i need a bigger warehouse but real estate's expensive right now right for sure but um but yeah, I mean, like that. I I don't think that everyone, I don't think every gym owner feels the same way about that, and I think sure. that I think that's okay. Yeah. You know, I, I think that um, there's a lot of gyms that maybe think that their mission is to create the next Gordon Ryan, mm-hmm. and I think I think that's fine. But yeah. I think that there's a lot of your members are going to get left along the road to mm-hmm. finding the next Gordon Ryan. You know. Sure. And they may not feel that great about that. So, <laughs> so while while you're looking for the next Gordon Ryan, what if you make it a pretty cool environment for people who don't ever want to to do that in their lives? You know? Sure. Yeah. No, that, that's dope. Like, because yeah, it's it's hard to for as much as we like focus on the competitions and the winning and whatever the gold medals, uh, we're the vast majority of people, yeah, aren't going to do that. And you, they're still, they're still full members of the gym. Like everyone's the same. Like everyone's right. paying the same membership, and uh, everyone wants to be there, just the same amount. So yeah, how do you make something for 
that attracts more of the the hobbyist type um, and keeps them around because because that's improving their lives just as much as the world champion type of person uh, is too. So right, I mean, it's like you know how many how many uh, uh, casual hobbyist runner joggers marathon runners are there and then how many people get to win an olympic gold medal in marathon or be usain bolt or something you know what i mean like right. it's, it's just it goes back to what you were saying about being the top 16 in the world like in anything you know yeah, yeah. And that's not a reason if you can't go to the olympics that's not a reason to quit your your running club you know sure yeah yeah definitely that that's a because it's still good for like it's still good for you it's it's I think yeah, it jujitsu has this might be a plus and minus. Is like what attracted to me to jujitsu was I was I mean I mean I was a wrestler so I like grappling. Um but it also has um low barrier to entry or like low um uh not barrier to entry, uh low gatekeeping. Like anybody can enter in ADCC trials or the world championship and fuck around and find out. Like that, that's, that's like anybody can like, if you, th- there is no like NFL, there is no like, um, whatever you have to be this level of professional to get in. Like you, if you work hard enough and like enter into the right tournaments, start, um, winning in the right places. Like you can like enter into these places, the, these tournaments and face the top guys. And that's the, yeah. the, the weirdest thing with jujitsu. And we kind of conflate because everyone kind of sees themselves like doing the same thing. Everyone's on the same mat. Everyone's doing the same uh, training. But sometimes, yeah, hobbyists like get caught up or feel bad if they're not the next Gordon Ryan, maybe. Sure. And, yeah. and you know, it goes back to, you know, kind of the analogy that I use is like, how do you climb Mount Everest? And it's not by looking at, up at the peak. You know what I mean? It's yeah. by putting one foot in front of the other you know sure. so yeah as cliche as that might be it's like a lot of people are worried about their next belt or their next promotion or their next tournament or whatever and it's like hey just keep making those small steps of progress forward yeah. and like if you stay dedicated you're gonna be amazed at where you end up yeah definitely yeah I, i'm i'm i've been doing jujitsu for like 10 years and that's i'm i'm still like i'm from where i started to where i am now i'm like it's it's crazy that yeah whatever like i was inconsistent for a little whatever in the middle there uh but it's wild if i told myself yeah back when i was a white belt hey you're gonna be going up against some of the best guys in the world and and you'll be able to just enter in this tournament and do that i'd be like that's wild like that and um yeah you jujitsu is a small enough sport where that's possible still and i think that's yeah. the that's the uh the weird thing about it that's true i mean when i, I walked into eddie's gym uh for the first time in 2007 uh-huh. and i had no idea where i was going to end up you sure know? Yeah. and i'm sure that and and what's really crazy is how many people more talented than me quit along the way mm. to me and, and you know what i mean and yeah. i think that, that happens all the time it's sure like, we see these guys with like massive talent yep. that just don't, they just can't keep up on the consistency. Yep. And then little, little unathletic nerdy people like me end mm-hmm. up becoming black belts and sure. like, it's inexplicable, you know? Yeah. 
yeah, there's yeah, there's certain guys that I see like with high potential. I'm like, you're not allowed to quit. Like, right. no matter what, <laughs> like we're, we don't want to give you your blue belt because then you'll quit. Right. Exactly. So, like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, look at Derek Rayfield. Yeah. But, but what, what he's, I mean, he's still competing. He's still, he's I know, still, but yeah. I know I'm saying, I'm saying he's one of those people with massive potential that right. didn't quit. Yeah. That, exactly. Look at him. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And he's still, still out there competing at some of the, the highest levels and he's only 21. So exactly. he's got, he's got the, that's the scary thing. He's got another 10 years until he's where I'm at, where I'm at now. And like, I'm 31. So it's like, he, he can put on another 10 years of like man strength. And he, he need, if anything, he needs to slow down and just sure. like, and just like take care of himself. You know For what sure. I mean? Sometimes yeah. I, I, I remember, I mean, cause I've rolled with him since he was a little kid Yeah, and I, I you know, the, he was always that person who was so flexible and inverting and throwing themselves into crazy positions and you know yeah he's going to he's going to have to take care of that body right. for the next for, 10 years for sure yeah so i think yeah it, it's a i didn't see this at the time or maybe now like now that yeah there's a um, at some point you you're you're around enough to like understand like you, you like whatever okay like musashi you see uh you see in one way you see it in all ways like you you see the road already like we're we're further down the road than like white and blue belts and you we can kind of like gauge okay yeah this guy has a lot of potential but like hey like this is um a whatever that there's a lot of work to be to be done to realize that potential so I guess what what are things that you, um, what are the the things you coach your your early students on, or like what what are like I guess of course consistency whatever, but like what is there anything that you tell them specifically to to keep make them stay around? It's uh, interesting. Um, one thing that I tell them in the very beginning is that. It might feel like there's so many moves to learn, mm-hmm. but there actually aren't that many moves. There's fewer moves than what it what it appears. Sure. And more moves are more similar than they think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like you know, I I, I tell people like you know, there's five ways to break the arm. There's five ways to break the leg. Jujitsu is a study of physics and anatomy and some psychology. You know, mm-hmm. um, and so our physical body is not unlimited and therefore the amount of moves that are not unlimited. Like we're kind of like GI Joe's, you know, like <laughs> we, kind of, we kind of bend in certain ways and sure. like, you know, you can break the arm off a of GI Joe. Yeah. If you bend it the way it's not supposed to go. And like, we're kind of like that, you know? Right. Um, and so I think that kind of letting people know from the very beginning, this is a study in depth of your body and how your body moves mm-hmm. and how it, and how it doesn't move. Sure. Right. <laughs> and, and so you already kind of know a lot about that, right? Yeah. So keep that in mind as we kind of go forward, we're going to show you the weaknesses and the strengths of your body. We're going to show you me- how mechanical leverage works, how fulcrums work, how levers work, how cranks work. You know I mean? We're going to teach you a little bit about mechanics. Um, and and you know and and you're gonna learn a lot about yourself along the way. You yeah. Know? Um, something that we're doing right now 
at my gym is every six months we give every single student a free 30-minute goal-setting session with a coach. Oh, wow. Um, this is the first year that we've done that. I don't yeah. know if there's any other gym in the world yeah. that's doing that. Um, it's something that we're trying out. That's awesome. I'm, I'm a believer that uh, goals will help with longevity in the sport. Sure. And that a lot of people, again, they have their goals set up here when it should really be down here and then kind of progressively moved up to where yeah. they want to be. Uh-huh. Um, and so meeting with a coach for 30 minutes twice a year, every mm-hmm. single student, and I pay my coaches to do these meetings. Wow. So my coaches get paid for the hour that they mm-hmm. spend with the student. Sure. Um, and yeah, we're going to see how that works out. That's awesome. Like I, I haven't, yeah, I've never heard that before. Like it, it's always like an informal, like if you catch your coach after practice or whatever, Hey, like, can I pick your brain about whatever? But yeah, that's having that like, um, program like that, that is part of this culture of this gym. That is what you get by paying your tuition membership. Um, yeah, that's huge for retention. Like probably like that, that's the biggest thing, right? It's like people quit after blue belt or, or before that they get hurt and they, whatever don't want to show up or um so yeah I, i'm sure that's uh that i'm sure that'll pay dividends for you guys yeah we're we're, we're enjoying it so far it's cool yeah. it's cool also just to really get one-on-one time with students and really kind of hear again like why are they engaged in jujitsu right now sure you know? yeah um, because time and time again i've heard students say you know hey the reason why i joined jujitsu is no longer the reason why I want to do it. And then sure. sometimes you ask them, well, okay, well, what's the new reason? And they're yeah. like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah. I don't think I can quit, but uh-huh. why am I Why am I doing this? Because I started for this reason, and now I don't feel the same way. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, there can be a lot of that, and mm-hmm. um, you can get ahead of that as a coach with students and talking to them, setting new goals, and then... Um, you know, and the students have interesting lives and interesting stories, so it's it's always interesting to connect with people and see. My problem with the with the sessions is they're supposed to be thirty minutes. And I let them run to like an hour, so uh, yeah. I, I, I just keep letting the time run. But right. but um, we also we have no limitations like from our coaches with talking after class and students. Sure. Students at our gym are always asking us questions, and we're always trying to to be a resource to them. So that's cool. That's great, and yeah, that that's ultimately like it's a like you you change people's lives like one to one like the the things that we can realistically do and like impact people's lives are like one to one uh no matter like how much technology we try to do or like however much like we're we're not we're not zuck we don't own a platform we don't own like the platform is the gym right that's the that's the thing that you have created and or you have the cult you're setting the culture from the top and sounds like you have a very like caring positive culture if you're doing this like as part of the their their tuition so yeah um yeah that's awesome i i think that's uh probably yeah gonna be like like even just i don't know do you guys talk like 
just jujitsu goals or like life goals too or everything uh, everything i'll yeah. talk about anything they yeah. want to get back with their ex-girlfriend right they want to lose <laughs> 10 pounds uh-huh. they want to master the americana like right whatever whatever it is i'll talk yeah. to them about it that's know? cool awesome sweet um uh, anything you want to plug uh, before we oh wrap it up? um yeah the only thing i want to plug is uh, our summer camps, I shouldn't call them summer camps because they're going to be all year long cool. in Nogi Summit, at Nogi Summit. Um, we do them. We've actually done one at 10th Planet Las Vegas in the past. Um, this year, uh, our our first camp is on sale right now. It's a snowboarding and jiu-jitsu camp in Big Fork, Montana. Oh, dope. It's about 50% sold out. So uh, if you want to go snowboarding with us in January on some awesome snow with some great jiu-jitsu seminars, that one's on sale. Um, we're going to have a women's only camp in March. We're going to go back to Thailand in oh, April. Wow. Um, we're, we might do an East Coast camp. We're going to do our Portland camp in the summertime with some big names. And then uh, who knows? We might even do a Europe camp. So wow. uh, check out and follow at Nogi Summit uh, on Instagram. Sweet. And 10th, 10th Planet Portland, of course. Cool. Great. Well, thanks for joining, Phil. I appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you, man. Awesome. Thank you. See you.